I'm Rebecca Lair. And I'm Amy Choi, and we are the Mashup Americans. Welcome to the future. So glad you could join us. We're here. We are. Well, you know how you see those The Future is Female shirts everywhere? I believe that delicious little Clarita has one. There's like a picture of her when she was first born in one of those. I mean, it may have been when we were going to vote for Hillary Clinton, so it's like, <laughs> you know. Mildly <laughs> <Some> painful. <laughs> 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 but we do have pictures of her in a onesie when she was a baby. <laughs> well, I think maybe we'll, we'll do an addendum which is the future is female and also mashy af mashy af but in the meantime until the present catches up with us we might need to partake in a little self-care you think but anyway, here in the Mash of Americans, we are all about mental health and just trying as hard as we can to be kind to ourselves. And today, with our friend and mashup to know, Lily Percy, that means we get to go to the movies. I'm a big believer in, like, sometimes you need to go home and watch Sleeps in Seattle. Right. Over and over and over again until you feel like you're going you're gonna to be okay. I would watch Fried Green Tomatoes. But other than that, I'm totally with her. I really respect that. And for me, I'm just going to say it's watching Keanu Reeves do anything. Doesn't have to be anything specific. I'm just going to go hunt the internet tonight. Amen. It may be the last week of Mashups to Know, but there is plenty more Mashup Americans to come your way. So subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a thing. Go to applepodcast.com slash mashup or wherever you like to listen to make sure your feed stays properly mashy. And tell a friend. Today is maybe just a little bit bittersweet because it's our last episode of Mashups to Know. For this round. That's true, this round. Well, we'll always be talking to Mashups on the rise because that's like what we do. It is. And today we're going to go out on a bang because we are talking with possibly one of the kindest, wisest, and most delightful people we know in this whole podcast universe, Liliana Maria Percy Ruiz. Oh, that sounds so good when you say it. You might also know her as Lily Percy, but that's a whole thing she gets into when we talked to her a couple weeks back. Names, they get complicated, especially when you go to kindergarten and your teacher just kind of changes it for you. Exactly. But Lily is bringing her full self and her full name to the plate at On Being, where she's the executive producer. She's also the brilliant mind behind the move to bring the wisdom and humanity of Krista Tippett's signature show, On Being, to something a little more earthy and maybe relatable, the movies. Her podcast, This Movie Changed Me, is new this year, and it's the first time we've heard Lily in front of the mic. Uh, her guests so far have included A.O. Scott, Ashley C. Ford, and someone else who often uses a middle initial, Amy S. Choi. That's right. I talked to Lily about a movie that changed me, which was obviously The Joy Luck Club. Right, which we've obviously talked about because I hadn't seen it and I got chastised, but it's a very important movie and I do love it. And I promise that I will eventually learn Mahjong mm -hmm. because we have to age into our Asian and Jewish old ladies well together. Yes. But what's so amazing about what Lily's up to is that she seamlessly blends these really disparate things, religion and meditation, movies, culture and identity. And it's just this really beautiful combo of high and low. Very mashed Americans of her. And she's such a mashup that the first thing she thought of when we asked her how she mashed up is plantains. Did I mention that we love Lily Percy? Let's get right into it. 
how do I mash up? First of all, I started thinking about plantain. So there, I, I don't know why I was thinking about mashed mangu. My sister-in-law is Dominican mangu. Um, I am a Colombian-born, Miami-raised, from four years old on, daughter of evangelical Christians. So there's a, a lot of mashup in there. Are mm-hmm. they still evangelical Christians? Very much so. Yeah. I actually recently learned the term to describe what my parents were, which were religious immigrants. And mm. not that they were fleeing anything. Colombia is very Catholic, very pro-Christianity. But they were sent from the church that they converted from Catholicism to. They moved to Miami to start these Spanish language house churches. And mm. that was their mission, was to convert as many other Spanish-speaking people in Miami and then moved back to Colombia. So we were only supposed to be here for two years. And then they kept getting renewed by the church and their visa got renewed. And then my dad became a Florida resident and the church broke up in Colombia and we stayed in Miami. So, yeah. Were they successful at converting people? Um, That's a great question. It's not like they have a jar. (laughs) (laughs) Although maybe they should. Um, You know, it kind of divided. My dad is the kind of guy who's very even-keeled, very like... Meet someone on the street. You'll invite them to the church. No big deal. He doesn't push anything. I don't think he'll ever even mention Jesus Christ to them. My mother will meet you. You know, you're at the hair salon. You you happen to sit next to her. Mm-hmm. Good on you. And she will just start talking to you about Jesus Christ. Have you accepted? Why oh, haven't you? Oh, like God. she's that intense person. I want to tell you what my physical reaction is when you say that. <laughs> Vagina <It>, clenching? <laughs> that's actually probably also. But I, I was starting more from heart palpitations oh, and yeah. chest clenching. Yeah. Also vagina. It's not their vagina opening, let's just say. But no. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, you, you so clearly describe that moment, like yeah. a scene that I'm sitting there being like, Especially as like a Jew and who likes to talk to people, but like then I not knowing how to shut down a person being like, but I don't, I can't be involved in like, you can't imagine the lengths I go to avoid the very nice Jehovah's Witnesses in my neighborhood. I just want to be also clear. I'm not an anti-religion person in any way. And I don't begrudge anyone the path that makes them happy. Well, first of all, I want to say that I get heart palpitations as well when I think about this. It always made me uncomfortable when my mother would talk about that because for her... She never understood friendship. She Mm. was like, so did you talk to them about Jesus? Like, I was like seven in school. And I was like, meh, I was in the cafeteria. (laughs) I I didn't really feel like it was an opening. And she was like, well, you know, that's really why you're friends with this person. And then if they're not receptive, then you should stop being friends with them. And I was like, okay, you have a very different definition of friendship. Mm. Um, But but no, going back to the missionary thing, when I told folks, um, you know, that my parents were missionaries and came here, there's that idea of like Americans going to other countries. Um, Mm. But they were part of this group of really young people who in Colombia at the time, it was Marxism was really big. Mm. And then there were a lot of folks from the U.S. actually from uh, you may know it from college campuses, Campus Crusade for Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They actually came to the campus where my parents were in, in Medellin. And they, that's how they converted to Protestant Christianity from Catholicism. And they were b- both really idealistic and looking for something new, I think. And they they were really attracted to this idea of Jesus. And so it's very common in the 70s, like the Jesus people movement. It was mm. like hippie Jesus, Jesus who like loves you and was so different from the kind of more closed-off Catholicism that they grew up in mm. in Latin America. So they were more attracted to small community building, and they they really did do that in Miami. And it was a very odd way to grow up, 
because I would often be told when I was a teenager, I was like, put on a bra because like, you know, Ricardo's here and he's in the living room and like he's talking to your dad. I'm like, okay, I just want to go out and get some like coffee. But I like, yeah, so there were always people in the house Mm. um, because it wasn't our house. It was the church's house. So Mm. it was a very, very different way to grow up. Do you still identify as Christian? I do, um, mostly because it's the language I know. And I've tried, believe me, I have tried <laughs> to get away from it. Um, but it's it's real. I mean, it's so connected to Spanish. So church was in Spanish. Um, and I think there's like this feeling of home whenever I hear certain songs in Spanish sung in churches. And uh, when I go to like kind of charismatic evangelical Christian um, services in Spanish, but then there's also a real discomfort because um, this is a generalization, but overall they tend to be very conservative, very homophobic, um, very sexist. It's like trifecta of everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, churches. And that's how I grew up. And I mean, my parents still believe that way. And so it's been a, a hard kind of like, how do I reconcile the things I really like about the tradition that I grew up in, which is honestly Jesus. I, I'm very much attracted to the same ideas my parents were, which is kind of funny and a real common language for us when we talk about religion Mm. but they also just have very different views socially and politically so i i feel like i'm having my own civil conversation all the time in my family because we have very different ways of of viewing the world um and yet i do still identify as christian yeah it's interesting to hear that like twinge of not regret exactly but just like yeah this is who i am (laughs) Oh yeah, you and know, I say like I mean a, like I go to a Buddhist a weekly Buddhist meditation group. I have been a to Quaker meetings. I mean I've tried every other form of of religions that really speak to me, which are often like steeped in silence and meditation and mm-hmm. philosophy. But good God, it's still there <laughs> that language of of in Spanish and the language of of Jesus and, and Christianity the way that I grew up in it. Yeah, it's like we swim in these waters. Yeah, they become us. The languages that we speak and the structure that the language takes shapes our worldview. So to hear that it's almost like you speaking Spanish is also your Christianity. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it's my home. It's so funny that you say that because I was in Northern Ireland uh, with my job with On Being, you know, and we were recording an interview between Krista Tippett, who's the host of On Being, and um, this amazing peacemaker and poet, Padre Gotuma. And he was talking about how Irish is in his bones. And Mm. I didn't realize how much Spanish meant to me until he Mm. said that. Mm. And it was like my Oprah aha moment where I was like, (laughs) oh, my God. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's why I struggled when I first moved to Minneapolis. Um, I spent the first three years really angry at myself, ultimately, is what I learned. But I thought it was other people. I was like, (laughs) oh, these Minnesotans and their passive aggressiveness and Minnesota nice. And nobody ever tells you anything to your face. And they don't invite you to their homes. Like, I was just like so angry. And I felt so... I'm getting angry hearing that. (laughs) I'm like, I will. (laughs) It was a very insular community. And I also wasn't seeing anyone but white Minnesotans. And it was the first time I'd lived in a place where people who who were like me and who were from immigrant communities and from other countries and I spoke other languages just weren't like readily accessible. And I was like really angry about that, not realizing well, I've been spoiled to live in like New York City and then D.C. where you just move to your neighborhood and you have everyone there. Right. Um, and in Minnesota and Minneapolis, you have to seek it out and really seek out community. But it was that moment with Padraig when he said, you know, Irish is in my bones that I realized what I was actually really sad about was not having Spanish in my life all the mm-hmm. time and not being able to speak it with Spanish speakers and Having that was so important to me. And I honestly didn't realize it until I moved to Minnesota and just wasn't 
exposed to it all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome to Los Angeles. Today we're together, or <laughs> Miami, where you grew up. It's just like on any given day, any given moment of every day, somebody may speak to me in Spanish, whether they assume it's something Latina about me, yeah, or they just assume that I probably will speak some Spanish. <laughs> and like it's just the way. Other than like speaking, then in my home, the people I speak Spanish with my daughter and yeah, you know, and and, and all that. But like it's just our entire life being. So I totally understand that. Yeah. Can I ask a question about Miami, actually? Yeah. So even though I think of Miami as like me visiting all my Salvadoran Jews. So it's like <laughs> I have a very specific narrow. The best people. The best people. It's true. And I love Miami. But it's like pretty Catholic Cuban, right? As a And so yeah. as a Colombian evangelical, like maybe it would potentially look the same from the outside. But how did that feel? How did you fit into that? What's funny, because in Miami, first of all, Cubans are the white man. Yeah. It's because Cubans are the majority there. They've been there longer. You know, they're they're established politically. And so it's kind of like Cubans and everyone else. Mm. And you tend to form enclaves from your country. So you have the yeah. Salvadorians here. You have, I mean, you've experienced it when you go. You have all the I different... I think they all live in the same, same uh, building. Yeah. <laughs> no, literally I mean, the same crazy. building. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm like, you have that. Nicaraguans Leia here. has her house here. Ricardo's mm-hmm. apartment two doors yeah. down. The yeah. Cubans are the ones who are really spread out, but Colombians tend to be in the same areas too. But so in Miami, growing up, no one ever talked about religion. Um, it was assumed that everyone was Catholic. You're totally right. And I actually had friends who were like Anglo uh, white American Jews who would like you knew that they were Jewish, but everyone else was like, oh, so everyone's Catholic. So you didn't you never talked mm-hmm. about it. I remember Unless you were approaching kids in the cafeteria <laughs> being like, have you taken Jesus? Exactly. Unless have you're my you? mother who secretly put on yeah. a teenage costume to get in school. So there's something that um, we had been thinking about with kind of our, our secret superpowers or our secret names mm. and with Rebecca, I'll just speak for her right now, even though she's <laughs> sitting right here. As Rebecca Lair, people are like, You're Salvadoran? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Where's your your mother's an immigrant? Yeah. Like what? And I'm like, it's literally in my refrigerator. Right. But like Lily Percy. Oh yeah. You're That's Colombian? Real. You're yeah. an immigrant? Like what? <laughs> but your going... full name is Liliana Maria Percy Reese. Yeah, and, and actually Minnesota gave me the gift of my name back because I you know, came to this country very quickly. My kindergarten teacher just shortened my name. And and my last name, just because of coming to the U.S., you know, they dropped the Ruiz. Because that's your mom's name. Because that's my mom's uh-huh. name. And although, like, that is how you, you do it in Latin America. Yeah, Latin America, you have um, the your mom's maiden name. My teacher just shortened to Lily. And I don't remember what happened after that, but my brother was like, yeah, you just came home from school one day and you were like, you know, me están llamando Lily. Okay, I'm just going to call me Lily. And then that was it. And so then everywhere. Let's call it Lily. Lily, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then it all became Lily Percy. And it was only until I was realizing I was just really sad because I didn't have Spanish that I realized, wow, I've never used my real name with non-Spanish speakers. Oh. And um, talking to the folks that I worked with, I was like, you know, would you be open to letting me try that out? And they were like super supportive, of course. And it still feels really weird to be like using it outside of my family. They also call me Lily now. They don't even say Liana Maria. Only when, you know. They're pissed. Have, exactly. Yeah. Things have gone Chanclas south. The are coming out. <laughs> exactly. They're throwing yeah. out. You have personal experience <laughs> well, with the Chanclas. I mean, I'm yeah. just saying. I, 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 I'm, I'm Latinx adjacent. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
what was your personal experience of coming out mm. with a new name? Uh, really uncomfortable. I don't like attention. And it felt like I was naked all the time. It's so Because it's like uh, revealing yeah. kind of who you are yeah. in a way that is different. And I think it's so fascinating. I really admire the generation that's coming up um, who are, you know, kids of immigrant parents, um, you know, are you know people of color and how they just carry their identity at the forefront. I was raised not to do that. And it's interesting. I wasn't raised in a you know, family that denied being Colombian. We were very Colombian all the time. And it was very clear how we weren't American. That was very said in my right. house. Like, that's what Americans do. Colombians do it differently. Um, but they all carry this with such pride and talk about it very freely. And for me, it's been more about assimilation. Mm. I think I got that message even though, I mean, it wasn't coming from my family, but I think it was coming from school. And it was coming from um, the lack of representation in movies and lack of representation in TV and everywhere around me, it was about being a certain kind of American. And I think that I just learned to kind of not deny where I was from, but not bring it up. And mm-hmm. I had the fortune and privilege of being white. So that was easy. And having the last name of Percy became mm-hmm. a really easy way to pass. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting that like the ability to pass, because I never had that. Mm. It's like always uncomfortable in other ways. Yeah. But like I didn't, that was just not a thing I ever wrestled with. Because yeah. I was like, look at my face. Yeah. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. interesting. Because also in my experience is like, I thought of Judaism and Jewishness as my primary identity. Mm. Because it was so much a part of my life all the time. But so was Salvadoranness in a different way yeah. and in a connected way. It was all connected. But I was I didn't realize that part of my identity's prominence and how important it was until later. Yeah. Because like it just I was like, oh my God, wait, that's actually a that's a Salvadoran thing. I thought that was just like a thing Jews did. Right. Like and it was just not. You know, there's a way in which yeah. I was like passing in my own mind or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like I didn't yeah. I didn't I couldn't distinguish. One thing that we always think about when we listen to your boss, Krista, is like, we feel we're just soothed. We're like, oh, <laughs> she's figured some stuff out, right? Yeah. Like she She's still like, figuring it out. She's still that's figuring the, it out. That's the comforting thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. As somebody who has built this incredible career and also spends a lot of your working life and your personal life, like a spiritual balance mm-hmm. or like a, a purpose in the world, how do you... How, are you also on the verge of a nervous breakdown? Do you have any <laughs> wisdom on kind of how to negotiate our ambition yeah. and our health? Yeah. That's a better way of putting the question. The thing I never learned growing up and something that I practice every day is self-care, which is mm-hmm. no surprise. But literally putting yourself first. You know, Oprah is one of my heroes, and she talks often about the whole, like, metaphor of the mask on the airplane. you yeah. got to put your mask on first before you can put it on anyone else. And for me, it's like I have to take care of myself because if not, then I am worthless to everyone else. So much of your work and the work that you make happen is about a, a, an awareness of self, yeah. right? And even the way you've, you're talking about your experience with your name and your experience mm-hmm. in Minnesota, right? It's like your journey of self-awareness that was, maybe these people are annoying, but actually <laughs> also I feel alone yeah. and I'm missing something. So yeah. some of my anger may be justified, but actually I don't want to live angrily and mm-hmm. what is the work I need to do to change that? Yeah. Mindy Kaling has a quote about this. She's like, like, to her parents, they're like, I'm stressed. Because that was never a sentence they would say, right? Exactly. I'm stressed never. when I had to flee, you know, Nazi Germany on, yeah. on a boat 
nobody talked about the stress and the trauma. They were just being, yeah. right? And like surviving. There's also that. But little... they transmitted it oh. to the people that came after, Excuse right? Excuse me, genetic <laughs> exactly. trauma. Yeah, and, but I yeah. think that's a part that's new. Mm hmm. Uh, generationally for mashups, for mashups right? And it, it's like a, the awareness of it. It's it's also, it's a gift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have all this, I think, perspective. Mm. You know, yeah. like we know in, in our bones, like in our DNA, what can happen and mm. what it takes to survive. Yeah. And we have those skills. And also, how do we kind of like tamp those down so we're not that's not like occupying all of our brain. I think one of the things I talk about a lot with particularly our generation of of mashups is um, how often by not having direct representation, you were able to relate to other communities mm -hmm. because they were also outsiders. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's why we all loved the Cosby show. Sadly. We were just talking Ugh. about We just that. talked about yeah. it. You know yeah. what? We can put our feelings about Bill Cosby. Exactly, to in, the in, side. Yeah. And then just celebrate that show. Yeah. And A Different World, which was so uh, big for mess. me. Oh, my God. You know I can't see Dwayne Wade's name no. without thinking about Dwayne Wade. <laughs> Literally, every, I'm like, Gabrielle Union, I know you have the ha a handsome basketball for your husband, but I just want to Where are his glasses? I want to slip up the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think about Living Single. I think about all these mm -hmm. shows that, particularly for me, were often for the black experience in the United States that I related to and loved and saw myself in, even mm. though I was the farthest thing from a black woman. But I could see myself in them and in their struggle. Mm. And I think there's also something really beautiful about that. Um, I don't relate to Sofia Vergara, a modern family, <laughs> the only Columbia we have we've had on television um, in a role that the prominent. But instead, I can relate to someone like Alicia Florrick on The Good Wife, mm -hmm. you know? Right. Um, and I think talking about the things that make our culture so unique and special, mm -hmm. but then also looking to women who mm -hmm. can represent us, even though they may not be exactly our experience. Right. One of the great joys of, like, having you here, which is amazing, is that you do so much behind the scenes mm. to elevate other people's voices and kind of connecting the dots a little bit. You've been working on on being um, being Chris's executive producer and like having gone through this kind of coming out in Minneapolis where you're like, this is who I am. And now you like have your own show. And it's <laughs> it, it, was that all connected? You know, you will relate to this as a doer. I just like do, 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 do. I never saw that connection. But as you're as you were talking, I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. The timing was very um, clear. Um, I think the last year and a half has been really transformative for me personally in our company, but a lot of things happened as a result of me taking ownership of my name. At the same time, I attended this amazing women's leadership conference here in LA uh, with this company called Nation Builder. Mm. They wanted Krista to go. Krista was out of town and Krista and being Krista, she was like, you should go. And I was like, sweet, I'll go. This sounds right. amazing. <laughs> A bunch of incredible women together. And it was transformative for me because the whole conference was about what talents and gifts do you have that you aren't afraid to bring mm. to the table? Mm -hmm. You know, how are you not being a leader in your organization because you don't have the title? Mm. You know, someone hasn't given it to you. Mm. And I came back and I was like, yeah, there's a lot of things that I felt I could contribute that I wasn't because I was afraid. I think I've also always been afraid of looking like a bossy bitch, to be mm -hmm. honest. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of embraced that. And I'm like, OK, that's who I am. I like to get things done. I like to do things. And I came back and was told Krista, I was like, you know, we should um, have our production department no longer be divided between online, which was our blog and, and kind of social and audio. We should unite it. I should lead it. 
Um, and she said, all right, yeah, that makes complete sense to me. And By the way, uh, and as the people who have started their own company, if anybody would come to me with any kind of feeling <laughs> like I own this shit, I'd be like, great. That's exactly her <laughs> response. Yeah. She was like, thank God somebody's thinking about this. When she was like, she was like, I've just been waiting for you to do this. And that was really impactful for me because she had seen potential in me, but saw how much I was holding myself back in ways that I couldn't see. And so you're totally right, Amy. Like they all kind of happen at the same time. And then I started really exploring my name around the same time. And um, as we were thinking about having new in-house audio content, one of the things we'd heard from our community was a real like love of pop culture that wasn't being addressed. And so we thought, how can we do this in a very on-being way? And that's how the podcast was born. Can Loved. you just do one line? Oh, yeah. What is the podcast? Yes. And what, what, just what is it? The podcast is called This Movie Changed Me. And it's one fan talking about the transformative power of one movie. And it's really important that it's a fan. So it's not a filmmaker. Um, it's really with a, a person who feels so strongly about one movie because that movie changed their life in some way. Mm. Um, and when I talked to Amy, it was about the Joy Luck Club and, you know, how that movie expressed for her all of these things that she'd seen in her own family and just hadn't ever seen in that way. Um, and just time and time again, it's been talking to folks who some are big movie fans and some are actually this is the one movie they watch and that has really left an impact on them. One of my favorite interviews is about Toy Story mm. and it's this uh, Monsignor Charles Pope and he's a priest and he happened to see Toy Story at a time when he was actually having a nervous breakdown. He'd been given this huge role as this parish priest and he felt like he wasn't worthy of it and he went into a deep depression and had a nervous breakdown and during that time saw Toy Story and then he Mm. saw himself in the character of Buzz Lightyear Mm. and that God could use Buzz Lightyear so God could use him and it was this really transformative moment and so that is the whole goal of the podcast is to show people that there's something in your life that can change you it doesn't necessarily have to take the form of Mm. a movie but maybe it's a song maybe it's a book like we all have these things that come into our lives at very important moments that are also part of self-care I'm a big believer in like Sometimes you need to go home and watch Sleeps in Seattle right? over and over and over again until you feel like you're going to you're gonna be okay. You're, you can get up Has and get out. Has anyone watched Fried Green Tomatoes recently? Oh, yes. Not recently, but I love that movie. The thing about the, the movies and the premise of the podcast that you have created is that it takes on being ideas and just makes them even more accessible. Mm. It makes them a thing that, like, as you said, it is in all of us. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that, like, you found God, which, great. Yeah. Like, that's Sweet. awesome. Right. You figured it out. <laughs> and also, you don't have to do that. Exactly. You don't have to, like, meditate every day to have something, like, be transformative in your life. It's mm-hmm. the greatest joy of my life because I often struggle with the just intellect that Krista has. I mean, it's intimidating. This woman is so intelligent and wise. And she takes, you know, the work of the people that she interviews and she will treat them like sacred text. And they are that for her. And for me, that's what movies are. It's what where I make sense of the world. I often say, like, movies are church. I go to the movies when I have questions in my head that I need to figure out. Mm. Um, I should probably be going to church. That would make my parents a lot happier. Nah. But instead, I go to the movies. You got to go where You go to your church. You. Exactly. It's my church. Did you ever see the movie Man Push Cart? Yes. Yes. Something about, like, oh, I don't know you. I don't know your story. And I... You are just a figure in my story, but in fact, you have your own rich story. And it's a way of truly treating 
people as humans. Yeah. And I think for yeah. us in Mashup, so much of it also is about like surprise, like right. the things that are surprising and mm-hmm. like how delighted we are by like things not being exactly as you expect them to be. Yeah. And well, and also what you guys do so well here is the idea of not allowing what makes us different and our our superpowers to be invisible. Mm. Sometimes I feel like, particularly with very liberal and progressive friends who are like Anglo white Americans, they often will say things like, oh, but like we have so much in common. It's like, yeah, but it's not like my difference from you is somehow threatening or makes it like we don't have things in common. We're all human beings. Yeah. But my differences are special. Yeah. And, and totally. they are, they add to it, right? You know what, Lily? It's just that I don't see color. So exactly. that's why. <laughs> exactly. It's that whole idea. Yeah. And you're like, but that's offensive because it's yeah. like I'm proud of where I'm right. from. Exactly. And how different I am. Also, we're not the same. Um, exactly. Anyways, uh, so okay, so if we were the hosts, not that we're trying to take your job, yes. of this movie changed me, and you were our guest, what would be your movie? Okay, I'm going to go with the first one that popped in my head, because it's very hard. It's like children, choosing among your children. Um, Sleep is in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And it's because it was the first time that I saw a love story that was not focused on the couple, mm. but on the two people as individuals. And their development separately in their mm. own lives. And I think Nora Ephron was trying to tell us something with that. That they both had their friends. They had their very thriving lives. They weren't missing anything. They just, they fell in love. But they were already fine on their own. And they mm. would have been fine. And I think that was a message that I hadn't seen before in a, a romantic comedy. I mean, even Jerry Maguire, a movie that I loved, totally. it was like, you complete me. And watching... Sleep is in Seattle was like, oh, no, I have this whole life that's going to be amazing that I'm going to develop on my own. And then maybe I'm going to meet this really great guy from Seattle at the end. But hey, if it doesn't happen, I still got this really great life where I'm a reporter in Baltimore and I'm funny and Rosie O'Donnell's my best friend. Uh-huh. And it's great. What What is your goal for the show or for, for, for what your listeners can experience in it? Honestly, the goal has always been for people to go see the movies. Like, for me, it's a win if you listen to the episode and you've never seen it and then you go and rent it. Mm. Some of them are harder to find, unfortunately. So we've started mailing our own copies of DVDs to people, which I'm like, for if you have a still have a DVD player, you can (laughs) have our DVD copy. I know a lot of people do. Yeah, no. So I, I really do believe that if people are watching the movies, that's all I want. I love that. Everybody go listen to our show. (laughs) <laughs> Listen to all the back catalog. Oh, yeah. And watch all the movies. Yeah. I think I've been, and this is totally going to go into a different place, but I, I think I grew up with um, this idea of humility um, as being putting myself down. And I don't think I really understood that you could be a humble person and yet also be very confident. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been something that I've thought a lot about. Mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot of examples of that in my family. That's called big dick energy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 And although, how many strong women do you know in your big family? Big vagina no, energy. No, but, I, well, oh, the woman, Liz Plank, she made a big uterus energy. <laughs> meme. I love no, but it. that idea of, like, having a certain swagger and mm-hmm. confidence, but it's actually really grounded. Yeah. And so it's not, like, it doesn't mean you're a... An asshole. Yeah. I like bossy bitch Liliana. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to the world. Thank you. Happy birthday, bossy (laughs) Bossy bitch Liliana. (laughs) Love it. (laughs) 
She is a bossy bitch, and I like that. I can think of no higher compliment from one bossy bitch to another. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you guys are my favorite bossy bitches, and what you guys were talking about there at the end about how humility and confidence aren't opposites. They're actually complementary. Is so true. Ooh, I got that BDE. I believe Bay has a line. I'm not a bossy bitch. I'm the boss bitch. Amen. <laughs> Listen up to This Movie Changed Me and hear Amy's episode on October 30th. This episode has been produced by Lizzie Jacobs and the Mashup Americans Creative Studio with help from Jennifer Lai. Our theme music is by DJ Rob Swift with additional music by Alot Moman. Find us on social at Mashup American and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, applepodcast.com slash mashup. Thank you for listening. Ciao.